listening to No More Mondays, the podcast that helps you navigate career challenges through the wisdom of professionals who have been at the same crossroads. I'm your host, Angie Callen, and I welcome you to join me each week as I chat with leaders, entrepreneurs, and employees who are here to share their practical, tactical advice and some inspiration on how they arrived at career and life satisfaction. From job searching and career changes to going out on your own, we are breaking down barriers and providing actionable takeaways to help you take charge of your Mondays and ditch those Sunday blues. Welcome to No More Mondays. Hello and welcome to No More Mondays. I am your host, Angie Callen. I'm sure you've heard the term always be selling or everyone is in sales, but have you ever stopped to think that that also means life is one big negotiation? It raised an eyebrow, didn't it? Let's take it a step further. What if I told you there were seven words, yes, just seven, count it on two hands, words that you could use to potentially increase your pay and negotiate your way to success? Well, hold on to your seats because you're going to learn that and so much more as Dr. Richard Kay joins us on this episode of No More Mondays. Richard has worked with people like me, entrepreneurs, to help accelerate growth and improve the bottom line, and that definitely perks my ears up. I also love a good negotiation, so I'm excited to learn some new tools for my toolkit while helping all of you rethink the way you ask for more. He's a fellow mountain dweller joining me from beautiful Taos, New Mexico. Richard, welcome to No More Mondays. (laughs) No More Mondays it is. You know, people people got to say, oh, shit, it's Monday. No, Monday, it's great. We get to start all over again. Although as an entrepreneur, yeah. <laughs> I can't wait to, to ask you more about your your perspective on exactly exactly that. But as let's get started and give everybody some some context. As I mentioned, I actually really love offer negotiations when I get to help my clients with this. And this is not a topic we've dug into a lot on, on No More Mondays. And it might be like, how's negotiating help me have No More Mondays? Well, we're going to tell you. So I would love, as we get started, let's give everybody some context about you. Uh, fill everybody in on you, what you do. Tell us about yourself. So let's begin way back when uh, I left being an electronics engineer, went to chiropractic college, graduated in New York, got my MGB. And some of you may remember a little four-cylinder sports car, drove out to San Diego and established a really great practice. And we'll talk about that in a little bit because it'll give us a framework and a reference. About 20 years ago, I guess, um, I shut my practice and began working with entrepreneurs. So I'm retired and been serving entrepreneurs in the entrepreneurial space for pretty much about two decades. And what does that got to do with uh, negotiation? Angie, my one of my jobs as an engineer, we were a government contractor. And I didn't know what the heck I was doing, but I was negotiating with vendors and government inspectors who damn near live in your building. Make sure everything is just perfect. Then, and again, I had no training in it. And we'll talk to that. Most people never learned how to negotiate. My experience is people think negotiation is someone names a price, someone names another price, and you go back and forth, you handle until you get into the middle, and then you, that's, yeah, that's a very primitive way of negotiation. Well, uh, as I began working with entrepreneurs, someone once said to me, why don't you teach what you do? And I said, what's that? She said, you negotiate. 
Oh shit, I didn't realize that. It was just part of what I did. So that's the genesis of how we ultimately get to have this conversation. Oh, there's so many. Okay, so I know we're going to squirrel and go off topic a few times. So one of the things that is really interesting about your background, I also am a former engineer. Oh, cool. And one of my observations is that engineers, people who go into engineering but aren't really the personality of an engineer make great entrepreneurs. And you are yet another statistic to prove my theory. There you go. What kind of uh, engineer were you? I was a civil engineer. Oh, my goodness. Okay. I was electronics, went to Northeastern University in Boston. And- I, uh, I taught, I used to live, I was an engineer in Boston, actually. And I taught, I taught one of the capstone classes for the engineering students at Northeastern. So there you go. There's our, there's our life parallels. There you go. I suspect I was there long before you. <laughs> Probably, but well, age is all relative, right? <laughs> they had just finished the Prudential Center. <laughs> okay. So- yeah. Yeah. I was there like, uh, I was an engineer pre-recession there. So we did lots of like Lowe's Home Improvement Warehouses in New York wow. and all that or in around New England and all, all of that kind of stuff. But wow. uh, I also now that you you bring up the connection, remember, even in even as an engineer negotiating. And, and I think it's really interesting to bring up that idea that we think we know what negotiating is. It's it, it, the first thing that everybody out there thought of is I got to go buy a car. Right. It's it is the car buying scenario is probably the classic example of what we have in our minds. But like you said, contracts like I remember writing scopes of work that were in negotiation or even something as as detailed as like a design, a design for engineering and having to mm-hmm. negotiate priorities. So it might not even be with a human. Um, <laughs> so if if so, uh, I'm going to put you on the spot and say if if networking is not or if if negotiating is not necessarily here's a here's C, let's meet at B, then what is it? <laughs> Virtually everything. And I'll give you an example, Angie. When I say everything you do is a negotiation, I assert the first negotiation you have every single morning is with yourself. Watch this. You get up, am I going to stay in bed for a while or am I going to get out and have a day? That's a negotiation. And then what am I going to have for breakfast? And with your husband, where are we going to go for dinner? Or what are we going to have for lunch? You and I, in, in the simplest sense, negotiated when I'm going to be here to serve you and your audience. Everything is a negotiation and none of those things have anywhere anything to do with money. It's money is what most people think about, though. And your example, you're submitting an architectural or a drawing and someone's going to approve it, sign off on it, say, no, we want this wall here instead of there. And that's all negotiation. And beyond that, of course, well, if we move that wall, it's money. But yes, that's that's not the first thing. I think it's a really interesting uh, concept to think about. Negotiation isn't. And actually, I would even say it's primarily a non-monetary activity, even though we think of it as exclusively a monetary activity. I think that is such an interesting concept because now it starts to become a little bit more apparent, everybody out there, why what Richard and I are about to talk about is applicable to you. Because you might be saying, oh, I've never had to negotiate. You know, the only thing I ever have to negotiate in life is buying a car or my salary. And I got Angie to help me do that. Well, (laughs) 
there's a lot of principles here that apply to, you know, I negotiate with my husband. Where are we going to go skiing tomorrow? Or, hey, what the snow stakes say? Which is going to be the best thing? So these these concepts are very, I would say, globally applicable to everybody's lives. Wouldn't you agree? <laughs> yes. Um, some time ago, I send out emails periodically and someone responded to an email. She says, well, I work with solopreneurs, so they don't negotiate. I have no use for your service. <laughs> exactly. I just made a face, everybody. You can't see me, but I totally reacted. <laughs> and, and I wrote back and I told her a story, which you and I have, you've seen it already, that I said seven words which resulted in my getting paid double what somebody was offering me. And I, I gave her the details of the story, which we'll probably go into over the next couple of minutes. Never heard back from her. And, you know, I said, solopreneur, solopreneurs negotiate more than anybody else because it's just you. You can't depend on somebody I would else. I would argue to say a solopreneur negotiates with yourself more than anybody else negotiates with themselves. I know that firsthand. And, I, and while we won't go there, I have lots of theories on how that solopreneur's mindset is probably limiting her business potential and success. But very good point. Yeah. And we do limit ourselves. And that's a whole different conversation. Uh, it's been attributed to Walt Disney that he said, what the mind can conceive, I don't know, if you can dream it, you can do it. Uh, it was Napoleon Hill who said, what the mind can conceive and believe, it can achieve. I'm a big fan of Napoleon Hill. Yeah. Now, you, you talked about buying a car. There's so many things beyond price. You know, you know extended warranty. God knows why you'd want that. But, you know, warranties and, uh, you know, coating the fabric. You go in and you buy a $5 can of Scotchgard and they charge you 100 bucks for it. Last time I bought a car, I had a Jeep Grand Cherokee that died and I, I needed a new car. I didn't have time to play around. Uh, so I drove an hour and a half down to Santa Fe, took a, a car out for a test drive. And the uh, salesperson handed me the offer. You know, here's the price. And I made a counter offer because that's what you do when you buy a car. Well, she gets up and heads. She says, I got to go talk to the finance guy. And yeah, right. You know, they know the car. They know the bottom line. They know exactly what they're going to sell it for, you know, what, what the range is. They're talking about the bridge game on Saturday, you know, or the golf match. So I followed her into the finance guy's office. And I said, look, I don't have time for this. Here's what I'm willing to pay you. Do we have a deal? He just sat there with a kind of stunned look on his face. Uh, okay. So there was none of this back and forth and going in and going. I said, here's, here's my best and final offer. Do you want to sell the car or not? I mean, I was nice about it. And Angie and listeners, that's one of the most important things. Always be nice. Don't insult someone. Let the conversation speak through your soul, not your pocketbook. And it'll change everything you do. And here's something else vitally important. Have no attachment to the outcome. If you go into a negotiation with, I gotta have it, whether it's a car or whatever it is, you have already lost the conversation. You've already lost the deal. You've lost the negotiation if it's a must have. When I was in San Diego, a very dear friend of mine was an emergency room physician. 
had a lot of money. Uh, I think it was a Datsun 240ZX that was being released. He paid so much more because he had to have the first one in the county. Well, you know, two weeks later, they're all over the road. And nobody knows he had the first one. Except him, his ego. Except for him. Yeah. So let, let go of it that, that I must have it. Well, and I think that there are a lot more parallels here. And I didn't even think of this going on. This is why I think this is a, a really fun conversation that even puts negotiations in a different perspective for me, because a lot of what you're saying about a mindset around negotiation, I tell people a lot when they're going through a job search. And that's where we get into kind of like negotiating with yourself to have a certain mindset or frame of mind going into anything, because, you know, the new car experience is it totally brings out stress in everybody. I still remember being a kid, I would never see my dad more strung out than when we had to go buy a new car. Like, hi, Sonny and Floyd. I know he's listening, but like, I still remember that. And so I think it evokes this amount of stress that then the ugly person comes out. But if you can maintain, people like to help nice people. So I think that's a great piece of advice. But what you were saying about the the mental piece of not being so personally tied to an outcome, I'm actually going to relate and correlate tie back ex exactly to the experience people have job searching because you get so personally invested in the outcome of an interview process that you're putting so much pressure on yourself and you're also putting yourself through this like mental agony before you even need <laughs> to have it. Yeah. So I think that that's a great piece of advice in in, in just in general of thinking about um, where you need to put your energy and kind of where you don't. And then, you know, then, then it saves, saves time and energy for when you actually need to negotiate something more tangible. And, and I love that. also that idea, like take out the game of cat and mouse, right? We see that in job, in job searching a ton, like, Oh, what's your salary? Well, you have a range, you know what you're going to sell that car for. Like, I would love everybody out there listening to just stop playing the game of cat and mouse, but that's a soapbox. I won't get on. <laughs> but it's a good one. It's so, so true, I mean, right? I'm going to give you an example of not having an attachment to uh, outcome. I, I mentioned that I lived in San Diego, uh, 20, 30 minutes from Tijuana. The culture in Tijuana is handling. It's negotiation. That's everything. So the woman I was with at the time, we went down to Tijuana with a specific goal in mind to find a wrought iron plant rack to put in the kitchen. And we, we came across one and, and I already could see where it would go. So I asked the guy how much he says, 20 bucks. Well, what do you do in Tijuana? It's 10. Okay. I kid you not 1975, 10 and a quarter. We're playing this silly game until we get to uh, 15 and 15 and a quarter, 15 and 15 and a quarter. And it's like, shit. again, no attachment to outcome. Arlene, the woman I was with, said, give him the frickin' quarter and let's go home. <laughs> <laughs> I got so caught up in the game. I would have given him 40 bucks for it. I mean, what do I care? And it's that I, I, I want to win mentality, right? That starts to take that's over. It. That's it. So I looked at her. I said, shit, give him, give him the 15 and a quarter. Put it in the car, went home. Ladies and gentlemen, that's an example of if you get lost in the game and forget your outcome, you have lost. Play so everybody wins. And Andrew, we talked about level four negotiation earlier. Most people feel, think, act as if 
I win, you get screwed. That's negotiation. And if someone walks away from you in a negotiation and say, wow, she's a great negotiator, you may get your ego fulfilled, but that person is never going to want to do business with you again. And then they go out and tell their friends, man, she's a great negotiator. She beat. No, no, that's not the way to play. Then I started teaching what's called level two. I win and you win. Elevation. Yes, Angie? Better. Watch this. Level three. I win, you win, and our team wins, our cohort wins. But wait, there's more. Level four. I win, you win, our cohort wins, and humanity wins. Yeah. That's good. What would happen if every negotiation you did, every conversation you had was encompassing humanity. We wouldn't have this political crap that's going on. We wouldn't have this war in the Ukraine if everyone looked at a higher level. All that stinking thinking, as Zig Ziglar used to say, used to say comes from scarcity. There's more than enough. There's abundance if we just play in that vibration. I was actually talking with uh, another podcast guest uh, just recently about the book Mindset by Carol Dweck, where she talks about statistically that scarcity versus abundancy mindset. And I think that's an interesting aspect to bring into negotiations. When you think about we we all tend to approach negotiation as a win-lose, black and white binary outcome when it doesn't really need to be and almost shouldn't be. So that's absolutely correct. And you evoked other things in earlier parts of our conversation. There are other things other than money. So, for example, when I moved to Taos, I owned, I came here because I had already owned 80 acres and I had 20 left. I had sold some off. Um, it was on the market for $53,000, uh, $2,250 an acre or something, something like that. The young man wanted to buy the land. My, my terms were, cash, which he didn't have, or I don't remember the exact terms, 10 or 20,000 down, which he didn't have either. So he made me offers that he would defer a down payment and he wanted to defer the initial payment for, I don't know, four months, whatever it was. And I'm thinking, yeah, I'd rather have the cash. Well, then he said, and if we do this, I'll give you this much more. And if we do this, I'll give you this much more. Yes, exactly. And he was making the offer to me because he wanted the land. So instead of 53,000, it wound up at 63. He got what he wanted, which was a deferment, et cetera. And what did I come away with? I came away with about 15% more. More, exactly. Well, and that's where I think you have to be careful not to be short-sighted in- In how, not only how you negotiate, but what what you can negotiate, which directly comes back to job seekers out there negotiating salaries. There is more to be had than money. Um, depend, but you but you also have to ask nicely. But yes. if you get really caught up in only that aspect, you may you you know you may lose out on other things that have I'm even lazy. greater value. And, and if you're negotiating for a job, depending on what level you play, is there a company car? Or is there a car allowance? Or is there health insurance? Or 
you know, if you're in the UK, are there two months off, you know? Yeah, or more vacation. Exactly. Exactly. you, You have to balance what it is that you would like, what it is that's real. And as you and I both spoke to, be nice. If you come to someone and are obnoxious, especially if you're applying for a job, you ain't going to get it, kids. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> it doesn't mean, you know, kiss someone's butt, but it means recognize the soul behind the person. See the soul. And that's what you do in negotiation. See the soul. We're all humans. We are all humans. And Almost so us. I I want to get into some because I think we've now convinced everybody out there they need to keep listening to us and that there's <laughs> more to life than just negotiating your salary. And you have a you ha- you have a little bit of a framework. I'm a big fan of frameworks. We're two former engineers, so you know some of that will always live on. And uh, you've you've kind of this idea of these like five tips that can that can help people or empower us to good negotiations. Let's get into that a little bit. So, ladies and gentlemen, uh, stay tuned because I'm going to give you five tips from the secrets of empowering negotiation as a gift. No place to enter a credit card. It's it's going to be a gift. I'll give you that. Um, When we understand negotiation, we have to play a higher level of game. And when you're looking, for example, if you're being interviewed, how much research did you do, not only on the company, but on the person who's interviewing you? You better know what you're in for. I remember back in those days when I had a job and I went to be interviewed, you didn't have the the internet. I mean, today you have a gift. You can go on the internet. You can even go to chat GPT and ask them about the company. That's very true. Or you could just go to LinkedIn, which is what I tell people to do. And I love that somebody else is sitting here on the other side of the table telling everybody to go do exactly what I tell them to do when it comes to do your due diligence. You know, whether you're dating or looking for a job, which is the same thing, right? You're it's looking a, to- totally. I just wrote an article about that, Richard. There are so <laughs> many correlations between the two. There's a whole different podcast. Love it. Yeah, yeah, I love it. You're building a relationship. And, you know, back then, well, who cares back then? Today, go on, find out about the company, find out as much as you can, find out about the person. And I don't mean, you know, what the name of their pet, cat, or dog is. You want to have a conversation with the person, the company. I, I, I take exception. There's no such thing as B2B, business to business. Someone's going to make a decision. It's a person. That's a really good point. So let's let me just repeat what you just said. We talk a lot, especially if you're like in marketing or sales, we talk about B2B and B2C. I'm going to argue that the that what, they are different processes. And, and, and likely timelines for what a sales cycle looks like. But at the end of the day, you are still selling into a human. It is all P2P. Yes, that's exactly right. And you're the only other person I've ever heard who lays claim to that. So thank you. Person to person. <laughs> We're all humans. Yeah, because if, if the person that you're dealing with in a business or an interview gets pissed off at you, your paper's done. That's it. Gone in the trash can. So you must know, again, the company so you can have an intelligent conversation. I've been out of the job. I'm, I'm unemployable. You know, I haven't had a job <laughs> in God knows how many decades. But my hallucination That's right. you earned, is- You earned that, Richard. You earned that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So the first tip is kind of like, do your research. 
that's a very good place to begin. Do your research. No, I mean, when when this Zoom room lit up and your husband answered, you know, it was on, I said, you don't look like Angie. <laughs> and you know, didn't have to do a lot of research for that. The, the point is, know the person with whom you are speaking. Now, you may not know. You may not be able to find that person. Then at least know as much as you can about the company. Know their long-term goals. Know their short-term goals. Know what they are hiring you to do. I remember one job as an engineer, and I was you know, 20, 21. I didn't know anything. I didn't know what I was getting hired to do. But the salary was better than the job I had. That was the mentality back then. I invite you not to go into a job just for the money. Go into the job that lights you up. Now, millennials today have no attachment to anything. You know, they, they may work for six months and then fly off to someplace else. Gone are the days of the gold watch, the retirement party, and a nice pension. So find something that lights you up, that you enjoy, and stay out of office politics. That's a downward spiral that you'll never come out of you know, with joy and love in your heart. Play the game of how you can serve people and give them as much as you got. Doesn't mean you're gonna have a lifetime job. Those days may or may not be here anymore. But when you give, the, the companies want to reward you, and they're looking for reasons to keep you around more than they're looking for reasons to fire you. So show up in your authenticity, and for God's sakes, don't lie. You know, we see that in the big news today about some politicians who made up their whole resume. You're going to be found out. So speak the truth. And if there are some blemishes, own up to it and negotiate your way around that. Yeah, so I smoked weed when I was 17, you know, and I'm 34 now. You know, what did you do when you were 17? Uh, don't, don't volunteer it, but you know, just don't hide it. It's all on the table today. We have never broached the subject of lying on resumes before, and I just have to go there for a minute because I have people tell me all the time, well, everybody lies on their resume, and I'm like, they do? Really? Yeah. <laughs> I, I don't lie on anyone's resume. There's a big difference between strong positioning or take a, taking some creative license, like to translate skills or use the right jargon if you're changing careers. But I once had a, a client. It was it, here's a good story about how negotiations work. I had a client, a potential client who called. We went through programs and, and what I thought was a good fit. And he ultimately went with a different service. Uh, it was largely a financial decision. And about. A month after our original conversation, he reaches, reaches out to me and he says, you know, I have kind of a funny question. And he tells me I went with this other service because I just wanted them to tell me what to go do. And I, you know, I was going to be more affordable, but they're telling me to add five years of experience uh, doing something I haven't done so that I look more qualified for a job. And I'm like, how are you going to negotiate your way into that one in an interview? Right. And even if you can get through the interview, are you going to be able to do the job? So be really careful about that. They're, they're like, you just back yourself into a corner and you can't be authentic if you've done that to yourself. And that's the key word is authentic and authenticity. There's a, one of my favorite expressions is the way you do anything is the way you do everything. 
And I applaud this person simply because of the struggle that he had to reach out to you and ask for counsel. And I applaud you for counseling him, even though he wasn't a client. And that, that's what we do. You know, we'll work with people so that they can succeed. Um, my God, whoever he's working with, to me, is totally out of integrity. He's lying. And, you know, we see, we, we know politicians, you know, don't always tell the truth. But this guy who's lied and made up his whole resume, and, of course, the fact that no one said anything about it, that speaks to, and look at the conversation about how can they trust him on anything. So I applaud you, Angie, for taking a stand for saying, be truthful. Well, and here's how that worked out. He ended up becoming a client. We wrote the real resume and he got a better job, not doing what they told him to go do and lie about that he loves. And three years later, he's still there. So you don't, you can get to where you want to go by being authentic. And I think what Richard and I are, would both agree on is you actually get somewhere better by being a human and negotiating your way through life in alignment with who that human is. Yeah. You know, we see it in personal relationships, too, where people lie about who they are. <laughs> and then you show up and say, who's that? You know, so it, it, it's it's pervasive. It's not just a job. It's not just a relationship. It's called life. How do you want to show up? So, yeah, and look look at Angie's lesson here that she gave, and the guy said, okay, I want to work with you. And I suspect one of the reasons is he got that you are more authentic than the other people. He spoke the truth. And ladies and gentlemen, that's such a valuable thing. When my child was young, he's now 40, I used to, he used to lie all the time. I said, Jonathan, it's easier to tell the truth. Why? You don't have to remember anything. <laughs> you make yes. shit up. Yeah, you make it up. You got to remember it. So. That's to, I've, to, I've told people that in interviewing before, but that's it is way harder to keep up like your story and, and appearances. Yeah, that's totally true. I love it. Yeah, 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 yeah. So, you know, we, we teased a little bit at the beginning about those seven words. Yes. Uh, would this be a good time to go into that? I think we have kept everyone on their toes long enough. Let's let them have it. Let's let them have it. So I, I mentioned that woman who said that you know, she works with a solopreneur. So here's a story. Here's a background to give you a reference. And ladies and gentlemen, you want, may want to get ready to take some notes on this, not on the background, but when we actually get to the core of this. Many years ago, a young man called me up and asked me to teach the work I was doing through his series of seminars. Well, we got through the pleasantries of where I'd be teaching and how long I would have and, you know, uh, what he would cover as far as expenses. And so he was covering all expenses. And I'll give you an idea of how long ago this was when I asked him, Jay, well, what are you paying me? He said, $500 a city. Now, again, it was a long, long time ago. And ladies and gentlemen, get your writing stick or your keypad ready. I said seven words. You'll have to do better than that. In a heartbeat, he said, well, the best I can do is a thousand. Excuse me? Were you paying That's attention? That's double. Thank you. He immediately doubled what he was offering me. Now, 
you can use this. And by the way, it wasn't a snide. Jay, you'll have to do better. you'll have to do better than this. From a place of your heart and soul speaking, because I wasn't going to fly all over the country for 500 bucks, which was a lot of money back then. Now, there's an antidote for this. And write this down. The antidote is exactly how much better do I have to do? You have just put the onus back on the other person. Now, if Jay had said that to me, I might have said six, seven. I never would have gone to double it to a thousand. But Jay hadn't taken my course. And the, the whole program, The Secrets of Empowering Negotiation, I'll tell you where you can get it later, is rich with this kind of information. And you can use that comment when you're buying or when you're selling something. So it doesn't make a difference on which side of the conversation you are. So always be prepared. Keep listening. Keep getting your writing stick because it's another gem for you. Always be prepared to take no for an answer. Have no attachment to outcome. If Jay had said, hey, 500 is the best I can do, I was in a position of the polarity of either, okay, I'll take it, or hey, thanks. Play in your being, be playful, be lighthearted, and allow the outcome. Oh, okay, keep writing. Here's more. Uh, and these are just some of the tips from the secrets of empowering negotiation. Angie, when you and your husband go into a restaurant, and I don't care if it's a snack bar or a high-end restaurant, other than the food, what do you notice as a preponderance of visual stuff on the menu? Dollar signs, dollar signs, dollar signs. Research has been done. When you remove the dollar signs, sales go up. Remove the dollar signs, sales go up. Ladies and gentlemen, write that down. When you are selling something, get rid of the word dollars. Dollars have a huge, the word dollars has a huge emotional tag. Now, by the way, when the check or the credit card clears the bank, yeah, it's for the same amount. So let's go back to that gorgeous painting. If she had said to me, well, I can give it to you for $7,000, it's still $7,000. If she had said it's $7,000, does that sound more enticing? So ladies and gentlemen, if you're a realtor and you're selling a home, and by the way, there's a counter to this too, and I'll, we'll get there, keep your pens ready. And you might say, this home is on the market for $675,000. Well, with or without the dollars, that's a lot of money, $675,000. Now watch this. You say, this home is available for $675,000. It doesn't have that emotional thing to it. I said there's a part here. Dollar, this is easy to remember. Dollars are in the discount. So let's, again, use this as an example car, house, I don't care, something at a swap meet, you know, doesn't make a difference. I have a motivated seller. She may be willing to take $75,000 off the sale price, which would make it an even $600,000. So no dollars 
$675,000. Dollars are in the discount, $75,000 discount. Bottom line, $600,000. You with me on this, Angie? I'm watching oh, your yeah. eyes say, uh-huh. <laughs> So well, we just bought a house see- in July. And so I'm sitting here thinking, huh, yeah. And I negotiated sure. like a champ. You'd be very proud of me, Richard. But, Good. Uh, and, and so, yeah, I'm sitting here thinking, and I think subconsciously we probably do this, but don't necessarily stop and look at the psychology of it, which I, which mm-hmm. fascinates me because the psychology yes. of money is just layers and layers and layers and layers oh, deep. It is. It is. I want to ask been- you a really specific question. And this goes into your entrepreneurial stuff. So you mentioned, like, if you remove the dollar signs, the sales go up. How did this is a very specific question, and I have a perspective on it that might be different. So I'm curious to see where this goes. Um, you know, you have a web. If you're an entrepreneur, a business owner, you have a website. What is your opinion on pricing on a website? It depends on what your goal is. If uh, I don't know if you do seminars and you speak from stage, ladies and gentlemen, if you do, and I've had people come back and say, man, I closed 98% of the room. Do you know what that means? No, it doesn't mean you're a great closer. It means your pricing's too low. Too low. I was going to say, it means you're too cheap. (laughs) Exactly. You don't want to close that percentage. You want to close a percentage because when you raise your prices, you know, the people who pay the least, complain the most. I don't care what kind of business you're in. This, you know, you're shaking your head. So yeah, I'm saying oh my that because this is not- I actually don't negotiate my, my coaching package prices because it's just a slippery Good. slope. But any yes. time I have ever given a discount, that person ends up being the biggest PETA there is. Yes, exactly. So <laughs> keep your prices firm. I, I want to give your audience, viewers, I, I, I want to give you a gift. Have you ever been in a conversation? Angie, have you ever been in a conversation and someone says, well, I've got to think about that. That ever happened to you? Oh, yeah. It happens on a, on a regular basis when you wind down the end of a potential se- client call and I tell them, hey, here's your package price. Here's next steps. All right. Well, let me think about it or I need to talk it over with my wife. Exactly. Would you like to know how to respond to that? You know I would like to know how to respond to that. So here's five free five tips that are absolutely free. And it's a PDF. It's excerpts from The Secrets of Empowering Negotiation. RichardK.com, R-I-C-H-A-R-D-K-A-Y-E.com forward slash five F-I-V-E dash tips. RichardK.com, which is the main website, forward slash F-I-V-E five dash tips. You'll get, that's a 13 or 14 page PDF, rich with information that will help you in so many aspects of your negotiation. Ladies and gentlemen, again, there's no place to enter a credit card there. Yeah, you'll get some information. I invite you to recognize those pages won't do you any good unless you actually read them. How many, how many? <laughs> I love you, Richard, because no one reads anymore. So that is a very fundamental and while obvious tip, useful. <laughs> now, how many times do you know, we on a webinar and we download stuff and then w- what did I do with this?
There you go. That's so true when you do a webinar. So we're going to link to, so we've left you all on the edge of your seat. I am going to go download this because I want to know the answer, but Richard's got some great free resources out there. We'll link to it in the show notes as well. So you'll be able to hop right over there and download it and read it, maybe even get really crazy and highlight some things, everybody. But remember, I think that if, you know, as we actually start to wind things, I don't know where this time has gone, but as we start to like, this is so, this is such a different conversation than we've had. And I feel like there's so many practical tools in here that you've shared with how we can navigate the negotiations with ourselves and life better. Yeah. And it sounds like this download is a very practical piece for those of us that are, remember, always, everybody's in sales, everybody. We're all, even with our, we're even selling to ourselves sometimes. Uh, So we've got some really, really great practical tips here, along with this tool that you have in your back pocket now, which is, what's our seven words, Richard? (laughs) You'll have to do better than that. Exactly. How much better do I have to do? You've got it, Angie. There it is. And remember, both of them are spoken through your heart, not through your mind. And what should you make the decision to participate and invest in yourself and get the program, you will find that it is powerful, practical, and profitable. And by the way, ladies and gentlemen, if you just want to set up a time to talk, there's a website, Talk About Publicity. One word, talkaboutpublicity.com. And uh, again, that's another conversation, how, how to gain publicity from best-selling books, being on television, being on radio, being in magazines. That's what we do. That's a whole other conversation. Oh, man, that is a whole other conversation. You might be back. You know, it's interesting that you bring up and I've, I want to I circle back in a second to how you started with the No More Mondays, because I want to hear what you think of Mondays. But, uh, you know, it's, I think I want to make a point about the, the humanism here. Because even as simple as when when I help people with job offer negotiation, they get their offer and they're like, oh, my gosh, I want to ask for $10,000 more. I'm like, you're not going to ask for $10,000 more because what happens if they're willing to give you 15, which goes back to the, well, how much better do I have to do question? But be a normal human, because like when I when I write those messages, my favorite term is, you know, well, what wiggle room is there on the salary translation? You need to do better. Right. Mm-hmm. But you've become a human and added a level of casuality to it that isn't unprofessional, but much more approachable and not so stiff as like, well, I would like to see more money in my salary. Right. So I think that the message here is one, we're negotiating in all aspects of our lives all the time. And two, if you approach that in a really authentic and human way, you will get a lot farther in those negotiations and. Uh, and they might and the outcomes might be things you don't even expect because there are there are outcomes that aren't just black and white. Mm-hmm. Yes. I love this. Yes. And I like what you say. Wiggle room is a good expression. And, you know, the question is, what's the best you can do? Yeah. Says the same thing from my perspective. It's just more humanitarian. What's the best? So you know, you've offered me seventy five thousand. And I and again. If you are looking at someone who's interviewing you, don't say you've offered me seventy five thousand dollars. You know, you've offered me seventy five thousand. What's the best? What's the best salary you can do? And you come from that place of curiosity, which is so different. Yes. Oh, that's a great word. Just snuck in there. It is a good word. It's a great word to bring into this. Totally. 
Richard, you are a like gold mine of information. <laughs> oh, thank I you. love it. Had a long time together. Thank you. <laughs> well, thank you for sharing it with us. Uh, my joy, Angie. And love to come back and talk about publicity for people who want to really get out. You see, ladies and gentlemen, Angie, you, me, all of us, we think we're the best there is. Guess what? There's other people doing exactly what we do. And when we talk about publicity, how do you stand out from the crowd instead of being just another one of those? That's a whole different conversation. Oh man, there's a we just dangled a carrot, everybody. So stay tuned for Richard Richard 2.0. And all right, so <laughs> so let's let's go out with one more piece of inspiration. How do you how do you combat the Sunday scaries and embrace Mondays? I know that some of you listening and listening to this have jobs and you may look at Monday as, oh shit, it's another. When you love what you do, and let's go back to what we said earlier, find a job that lights you up. Monday is just another day of the week. So if you look at Monday as an opportunity instead of a barrier, what can I contribute this week? Our morning ritual and our evening ritual is, I wonder what kind of fun things are going to show up. What kind of abundance is going to show up in our lives tomorrow or today, if we say that in the morning? Look at it as that curiosity place. Live in curiosity. Live in uncertainty. Allow things to just flow in your life. And it's all for the higher good, whatever that means to you. And play. Be playful. How can you contribute? That's a recurring message and you're, you're all starting to hear a little bit around here is that uh, maybe take life, life a little less seriously. <laughs> and, you know, we want to give you tools and resources to be successful in it, but you can be successful and not so serious at the same time and enjoy life a little bit more. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I don't know who it was who said it could have been Mark Twain. Don't take life so seriously. You'll never get out of it alive. So, <laughs> yes, <laughs> be light about it. Yeah. Uh, so good. It's good. See the reason that those old quotes live on for a reason. And yeah. I'm just, I'm so, so grateful for you and coming and sharing your wisdom, but also perspective on, I, I think all of this is yes. Well, we're giving you very practical tools, everybody to, to negotiate better from your car to your salary, to your wake up time in the morning. You know, I really mm -hmm. think the underlying theme here and, and that Richard and I really agree is, is, to really think about what you want out of life and go, go after that. And don't just kind of take circumstances, you know, uh, for what they are, you, you, you deserve, and you can have more. Yeah. And there's always more. There's always there more. Is. Richard, thank you so much for joining us and being part of the no more Mondays movement. This has been just a great conversation about practical things, negotiating and some, some life, life components too. And we always appreciate when people like you are willing to share what you have to offer with us. So thank you so much for being here and also for doing what you do. Thanks, Angie. Thanks for creating a forum for people to expand their consciousness, their awareness and their skills. Oh, thank you so much. I appreciate that. We love bringing stories like this to everybody out there. And so if you are listening, we would love for you to subscribe to No More Mondays wherever you get your podcasts. Leave us a rating because it is a huge help as we continue to have this kind of platform and inspire and give you ways to act. So people like Richard are willing to give their time and and we want to we want to keep enticing them to come and come back because you have not heard the last of 
of Richard K on No More Mondays. So uh, if you want to grab the resources Richard threw out today, they are available at nomoremondays.info. And if you want to leave us comments, feedback, or give us a guest, guest suggestion, you can also find it at that link, nomoremondays.info. And I will see you again next week for another edition of the No More Mondays podcast. Thanks for joining us for another episode of No More Mondays. Tune in next week as we bring you more insights and actions to help you improve your life and career. Don't forget, visit us online at nomoremondays.info to get all the details, show notes, and recommendation from this episode. No More Mondays. We drop new episodes every Wednesday. No More Mondays is brought to you by Career Benders, Inc. in partnership with executive producer Jane Durkee. For more information about career coaching, resume writing, personal branding, recruiting, and entrepreneurship coaching services, visit us online at careerbenders.com.